Welcome to When I Grow Up. My name is Suzanne, and this podcast is on a mission to give exposure to students and those simply searching for something new in this world to figure out just what they want to be when they grow up. My guest on today's episode is Casey Clark, the Direct Sales and Marketing Manager for R. Stewart & Company Winery here in McMinnville, Oregon. We're going to dive into her story about how she came from a Las Vegas upbringing to working in wine country and loving it. All right, Casey. I'm excited to have you be my first guest. Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks for being here. Um, so what I want to do with you is just talk to you about your experience, kind of from being a little kid all the way to where you are now, and understanding how your dreams and aspirations and what you thought you were going to be when you grew up has changed. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> and I think that obviously, like, what my hope and intention with this podcast is, is really to have kids understand kind of the progression of how all those things can link together. Um, I think about myself and my journey of like being a little kid and thinking I was going to be mm-hmm. a baker and a veterinarian and then mm-hmm. also like a musician all in one to then being a little bit more realistic with it. But I think that I, I really hope that kids understand that there can still be some dreaming within your job, even as you get older and that it doesn't always have to be this practical thing. Absolutely. Um, I think that your job, you do have a very practical element, but there's also a lot of fun and creativity mm-hmm. that happens within it too. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. Um, but I want to start off with the first question of think back to when you were a sweet little baby child <laughs> and what did you want to be when you were little? I don't really remember. I think everyone kind of goes through that phase of really being obsessed with something when they were a child and kind of coming to fruition of like understanding what you wanted to do. Um, I think the things I was interested in, marine biology, just because I think there was a part in my elementary school learning system that we were diving into that, no pun intended, ah. <laughs> uh, diving into that and understanding just like animals. I loved animals at that point. So yeah. yes, I wanted to do that for about a year. <laughs> and then um, pop star was probably also a thing until I realized I am not good at singing and or dancing. Mm. So I've seen your dance moves. You're pretty I mean, okay. It's all about the confidence that you bring with it. But, um, and then I think different things interested me all throughout high school. And, you know, I played around with being a teacher, being a doctor, going into the science realm, going into journalism, photography. Uh, but I never really had that one thing that I was just like, yep, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to yeah. go to school for. What sort of things do you feel like changed your mind on what you wanted to be? So, like, starting with marine biologists to going to all those other mm-hmm. jobs – were there certain things that were like reality checks for you or was it just a matter of your interests at that time in life? What kind of was the catalyst of change for those? Yeah, I think a huge part of it was my teachers. And if they were excited about a subject and figured out a way to teach it to their students to make them interested, it's a huge part of growing up. And I think, you know, I lean back to when I was in elementary school and interested in marine biology, my uh, second grade teacher, Miss Cathcart, was super interested in that too and so Mm -hmm. that's what kind of drew me to that um I had really great science teachers in high school really great math teachers and so that was something I was interested in Mm -hmm. um and I think just kind of observing things that spark Mm -hmm. interest and joy yeah ultimately do you feel like there was any pressure for you in high school to pursue certain career fields or whether that's from teachers or from family Mm -hmm. were there certain ideas that were kind of put in your head yeah not really um I think ultimately my parents really instilled in me that no matter what I did I needed to be successful with it yeah um success also can 
have so many different definitions to it. Totally. Uh, but for me, my parents really pushed me to get incredibly good grades in high school, try every extracurricular I could. So whether it was student government, um, you know, playing sports, being in band, whatever it may be to kind of explore that avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there's never a pressure for me to be like a doctor or an, um, a lawyer or a teacher. Yeah. Um, just really whatever I chose to do to do well. Totally. Think back to your high school self for a second. Mm-hmm. If you had to speak on behalf of 16-year-old Casey, how would have little Casey defined success in high school? Uh, well, first of all, I think I was crazy in high school. I tried to do way too many things and do really well, and so I made myself stressed. Yeah. <laughs> but And this could be success like in a high school setting, but also thinking like, I'm 16 and I'm thinking about my future. What yeah. does being successful look like? I think for me you know, owning my own home and having a car. And it was, for me, it was more of a materialistic thing, like all the things that I could do on my own and have on my own. And, um, you know, whether that be a house or a car or things or stuff. Um, and I think little, little Casey would have almost been a little sad to kind of see that. And just like, you're not doing what you love, but you, you know, you have all these things. But at that point, that was kind of from other outlets and media, like that was the idea of success is like monetary value. Like mm-hmm. if you have a lot of money, you've done something really well. Totally. And now as an adult, I don't think that way. Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting thought process to kind of go through. It's like you, when you're a little kid, you want to do something cause you love it and that's your life and that's what you're interested in. And I think when you're in high school, it's everything's getting pushed at you, whether it's doing well in class or what are you going to do after school or um, what do you do outside of school and how are you, what jobs do you have? How do you pay for things? And then when you get to college and after college, there's a whole realm of adulthood mm-hmm. where you, I think you understand like the realistic idea of life yeah. versus this abstract view of what you want it to be. Yeah. So I know that you came here from Las Vegas <laughs> and I think that that's such an interesting thing for me because I don't know, Las Vegas to me, that whole realm of the world is very interesting, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I feel like it instills a certain understanding of success that I think doesn't get instilled in the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. I think that materialistic piece, I'm not saying that that's what made you that way as a kid, but um, I think of, it's very much the get rich quick. And that's from my perspective, from like very (laughs) organ raised. Um, But thinking, you said in high school, you had looked into like math and science and you had looked Mm -hmm. into journalism, you were in band, you were in leadership, you did all these things. Thinking about like when you were leaving senior year of high school, Mm -hmm. what did you think that you were going to be majoring in college? What was your goal? Yeah. um, So I moved to McMinnville, Oregon from Las Vegas in 2008. But when I was looking at colleges, I wanted something with a really great journalism program. I wanted to be a writer and I think in my head I wanted to do like magazine and I wouldn't necessarily call them like fluff pieces but more interesting like pop culture um you know not so newspaper journalism not mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want to write a book yeah. <laughs> so just yeah. kind of understanding like that concept of media um and I knew I wanted to go out of state I had a um, one of my favorite teachers in high school Mr. John Gilmore shout out if you're listening uh, <laughs> he uh really told me, you know, there's the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and you, um, in UNLV. Las Vegas, UNLV, <laughs> and he told me that that stands for you never leave Vegas. So 
so then why why Linfield? You used to, you checked yeah. out all these other places. What about Linfield? I know you and I have talked about this of just you felt very at home mm-hmm. there. Like immediately it had that kind of East Coasty feel. Yeah. It was like it <laughs> like I remember that about Linfield too. Even as a kid growing up in McMinnville, being like, wow, this seems really official. It like does. it's so much. There's so it's much so brick. Pretty, yeah, it's <laughs> and, a brick. It gets you. And I think that's it's a really enticing place for a lot of folks for the fact. I think you and I both agree. It's like it's the small school. Mm-hmm. It's in a community that is really community driven and focused. Yeah. But thinking back to you, 18-year-old you, why, why did Linfield stand out? Yeah, I I think a huge thing for me was financially what I could afford, um, applying for every scholarship I could, talking to financial aid. Um, I also played a sport. I played soccer mm-hmm. all throughout high school growing up, and I wanted to play collegiately, but I did not necessarily think I was good enough to mm-hmm. you know, D1. But also, I went to college for academics. Like, that was my thing. Um, but when I came onto Linfield's campus – you know, I remember telling my mom I wanted to go to an East Coast old brick, like, collegiate yeah, school. Man. But I wanted to stay on the West Coast. I didn't want to go anywhere too far. Um, and so with Linfield, I think once I stepped on the campus, it's beautiful, of course. Um, but the, the small school thing really yeah. was appealing to me. My high school had 3,000 students, and we're one of 56 high schools in the Las Vegas which Valley. Which is crazy to me to which even think is about. a lot. And so com- competition with academics is really hard. Um, but coming up here knowing that I was going to get that individual attention, knowing that, you know... to Linfield with a declared major, or were you undeclared at first? I did. I what came was in it? with a declared major. I was a mass communications major. Okay. Um, which stuck all the way through. You graduated with... No. No, you changed No, I changed it. <laughs> so I went in... Who as- are you? I thought I knew you. <laughs> I went in as a mass comm major, um... And didn't have a minor, but it was MassCom was the essentially the the major that you wanted for journalism. Yeah. Um, and so I went in and took two semesters worth of journalism classes plus plus you know the um, the general education you needed to. And I hated it. I hated all Dude, my classes. That's how I was with journalism at University it's of Oregon. So too. dry, it and it's terrible. so it's just like one of those things that I didn't want to do. And I felt really lost at that point too because I think well, going into it, I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do four years I'm gonna like move to some big city and do this thing but then I realized I just like really didn't like it and so you're in the journalism classes and not I, feeling it no I hated them I it was one of those things I didn't feel connected to any of the professors I had for that um my advisor I didn't feel connected to and it was it was hard for me because I felt like that's what I wanted to do mm-hmm. um and I actually was taking at one of my general education classes there was a class I took under the communication arts department uh, which MassCom and Communication Arts mm-hmm. are very similar. They overlap in a lot of ways. But the Communication Arts is more rooted in theater, okay. which also was a little deterring for me because I didn't want to be an actor, and that's yeah. what I thought that meant. Um, but it was looking at more of an anthropological look at communication, like how we as humans communicate with each other, whether mm-hmm. it's through music or written word or speech or you know relationships that you have with people. And that just kind of sparked this sense of like, curiosity which I hadn't felt that before with any really other class so that was really important to me I was like hmm this is interesting and then it was so incredibly easy to change my major yeah um and so I went in um started my sophomore year and I changed my major to communication arts and then I minored in anthropology because they also overlapped Mm -hmm. uh and that's what I have my bachelor of arts in so I think back to my experiences with looking at majors Mm -hmm. and I think what I experienced was really similar to you of just like that struck a chord there's something about it that was really interesting there's something that maybe I felt good at Mm -hmm. something like that but do you ever feel like it was advertised to you with majors of what you could do with those majors when you got out of college yeah I think Linfield does a really good job 
about the idea of a liberal arts degree, not necessarily specific, at least in my case, not specific jobs of what you could do going in yeah. as a journalism major when I first came in. They're like, you can work for a newspaper or a magazine. And I was like, cool, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I think the ones that, you know, you look at the popular majors, so you look at the health and sciences. So um, mm -hmm. exercise science is a really big one for Linfield, business administration, um, finance. Yeah. So it's like all those more practical majors. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't actually until I took that comm arts class where my professor at the time and also my, who turned out to be my advisor and a very dear friend of mine now, um, she had this printout sheet of what you can do with a comm arts major. Yeah. And it listed everything under the sun because it's all about communication with people. Mm -hmm. And then I think that switch hit where I wanted a major where I can adapt it to anything. So being able, I can work in finance because I know how to communicate with people. I can learn the financial side of it. I can work in music because I know how to communicate with people. And I think once that was drilled into my head, I was like, ah, oh, this is this is good because it leaves enough options for creativity, but also still guiding me in a direction that I needed to go. And I think that's a really cool thing of what small colleges can offer. And I think looking at that for a lot of students of just recognizing the benefits that can come from not being at a giant university. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of cool things that big universities offer as far as like research opportunities or connections like globally. Absolutely. Linfield's got that too, um, but it's interesting how the advantages of that come from just mm -hmm. someone who knows you really well. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm curious about when you were graduating then, did you have this vision? Because I know that wine was kind of a happenstance, and we'll get that in a second, but was there a vision of what you wanted to do? You had that list, you had gone through your major, you graduated. Mm -hmm. What were you anticipating doing at that point? Yeah, so my, I think my senior year, I was like, okay, you know, I want to work for a corporation, whether it be um, Nike or Intel or something like that, uh, working with organizational communication. And what that meant was essentially people would call on me as a consultant and say, this is how our team is running. What are ways we could be more efficient and yeah. effective at communicating with each other? You know, um, department to department, uh, CEO to employee, yeah. like whatever it may be. And so moving to Portland, moving to Seattle, being in a big city, working a nine to five, Monday through Friday, yeah. like that I think was what I wanted to do. And then as I was coming close to graduation, I realized I just really wanted to stay in McMinnville. Um, I had started working downtown um, at Third Street Books. Which and is where you and I met. Where people. we met. Um, but that was, I think, my eye-opening idea of understanding Linfield was a great community, but McMinnville had a really great community, yeah. too, that I hadn't tapped into. Um, and so I was, you know, I kind of pushed off that ultimate dream for about, I was like, oh, you know, a year, a year and a half just to kind of get my bearings. And, you know, college is hard. And I think trying to give myself a break before jumping immediately into a career was important for me. Yeah. Um, so working a, you know, a couple jobs was fine and, you know, spending time with friends, making new friends and, um, understanding how to still live apart from my family and have my, you know, I've created my own adult world here. Mm -hmm. That's separate from my parents, separate from my brother. And, um, that was important to me to still have that sense of community instead of just being thrown into the, the great career <laughs> ocean, if you will. Yeah. So you and I met when we were both working at Third Street Books together. I had graduated Linfield a year prior to you. Mm -hmm. We started working there at the same time. And, I mean, I wasn't really in an active position. Like, I was looking at teaching jobs and looking at that piece. But you and I were 
pretty happy with working downtown, I would say. That was great, yeah. We loved it, and I think that we had a really cool base of people that we got to interact with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. How did our Stuart fall in your lap? How did that yeah. come about? Because, I mean, it's literally down the street from the bookstore, <laughs> so it's quite in proximity. Um, but obviously, like, wine education in this area is huge now. Mm-hmm. But even where we were, what was that, seven years ago, yeah. it wasn't I – don't, I don't think it was as – big as it is absolutely I mean it was big it was existing but I don't think it was as like novelty or as Mm -hmm. as cool as it is now (laughs) I think that there's a lot of young people now that come to this specific area for it versus before I think it was an opportunity to travel and to do these things abroad so we're in little McMinnville where wine is starting to be on the cusp of things working Uh at third street books working at Yamhaville dry goods we also work there too we worked a lot of places (laughs) together and then at that time I remember you coming across our Stewart, but how did that happen? Yeah, so I think at the point I was at Third Street Books, um, Scylla had opened Yamhill Valley Dry Goods. We got pushed over there, and I had prior retail experience with clothes and with shoes, and so I was working there much more so than the bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, but being an adult, you got to pay your bills, you got to pay um, rent, and so I don't it's have... the unfortunate yeah. <laughs> reality of the world, yes. I don't have that huge romantic, like, this thing happened and it was wonderful, but... Um, I had a friend um, who had worked at the wine bar a really long time ago, and I was telling her that I needed to find another job. I was scouring left and right. I applied to everywhere mm-hmm. um, and just wasn't you know, feeling interested in the jobs or just not getting called back. Things just weren't working in my favor, and she said, you know, our steward's hiring. You should go apply, and I told her I don't know anything about wine. Mm-hmm. I don't even like drinking wine. Mm-hmm. I... Uh, you know, it's not my thing. And she's like, it's actually really fun. You get to talk to a lot of people. And I was just like, you know what? Why not? Um, Which then that connects so closely to with what you'd majored in and what that exactly. looks like. Exactly. It was just like, you know, putting yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, I was like, I'm not qualified for this job at all. I have no idea what it's about. I've only heard from one person that it's fun. Yeah. So I was like, sure, why not? And um, I applied for the job. And then I got a phone call a couple days later. And then I sat down with our owner mm-hmm. uh, and the manager at the time, and I remember going in there and, like, palms sweaty, like, had no idea what was going on, and they yeah. were asking me questions about wine and this and that, and I said, I don't know, I don't know, this and that, whatever it may be. But the big thing, and even I feel like if you were to ask my owners now, <laughs> the owners now, that my thing was, I don't know anything about wine, but I'm really willing to learn, and I like talking to people. Yeah, that was my question about, I was going to ask, why do you think they hired you? Yeah. I think for me, finally just having confidence, saying I want to learn about something, and I think I'm really good with people, and I understand that, mm-hmm. um, is huge. And especially looking at the realm of retail, like personality is a huge part of it. You can learn how to sell whatever you're interested in, yeah. but being able to create an environment for people to feel welcome and have it be... Um, really gracious and yeah. uh, an environment that they want to be a part of is huge. And mm-hmm. I think my upbringing and also my schooling had prepared me for that. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people overlook, and this is applicable to, I think, a lot of different jobs, but especially the ones where it's interpersonally connected, mm-hmm. that it's so much about the experience that you make for people. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the most like luxurious thing that you're providing or you know you're not necessarily giving the most profound information but if you're doing so in a way that connects with the person and provides an experience mm-hmm. I think that that is so valuable um and I've, I've seen you do that so many times with our Stuart too of you remember people's names you remember their kids you remember where they went on vacation you know all those <laughs> details and I think that comes with time but that's also I'm sure a product of your major as well to a degree yeah I think it's incredibly important to remember details about people um, just to immediately build that connection of trust. 
And that's something I learned mm-hmm. throughout my major. It's interpersonal communication. You know, it's understanding how people function as people and trying to find that connection. Yeah. Uh, which is huge. And I think that correlates to a lot of aspects of my life. Yeah. Uh, but primarily my job because yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. So you, when you started, you were just working tasting room, yep. and obviously you've been there for what, seven years now. Seven, Six, seven years in March. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is a, a long, long time. time. <laughs> yeah. But in thinking about that, you have had obviously a couple shifts in what you do specifically, and not necessarily to get into the semantics of each shift. But mm-hmm. what do you think was the reason that you were allowed and kind of given permission and welcomed into those shifts? What do you think that you had mm-hmm. that you did that people saw in you that? provided that yeah I think so when I started um right I started at R. Stewart right before I graduated college um a couple months before I graduated went into the summer summertime is really busy for wine and so um worked a lot and then I think from me just working and absorbing as much information as I did and doing ultimately well at my job selling wine um creating a happy experience for people uh the owners of the company I think saw that and asked if I wanted to come on full-time and that's the dream getting a full-time job uh and it was really cool for me to be you know 22 having a full-time job Mm -hmm. out of college like that was great and so um I accepted that and then really was also given a lot of opportunity to learn and prove myself um which I think ultimately I obviously have to thank our owners of the company for providing that opportunity for me um but really pushing myself to learn a lot and I I like to I like to know what's happening and Mm -hmm. I like to know information and I like to be able to answer people's questions I think throughout that I've proved myself to them that I'm here I'm loyal like I will try my darndest Mm -hmm. to to help you create a business that is profitable and that they're proud of and that they're proud of absolutely I think it's a really cool thing when you find people who encourage growth. And I think that's something that I've experienced with a lot of people that I've worked for, but also worked with. But I think in like your situation, Mm -hmm. Rob and Maria, they value education. They value people who want to know Mm -hmm. because they in turn have so much to teach, but that's also kind of where they came from. I think there's almost a cyclical element to how people get inspired to you know, just keep developing themselves. And I think that comes from product of environment. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really cool that Rob and Maria have given you that opportunity. They've encouraged it. They've also done so much, I think, with, like, you and I talk about this all the time, but the classes that they've allowed you to take. Yeah. They help you to continue your education so that you feel invested in their work. Exactly. Um, do you feel like that, in turn, has made you feel more invested? Like, they're trying to invest in you. Does mm-hmm. that make you feel more invested Absolute- in them? Absolutely. I think creating those opportunities not only for them to teach me but for me to teach them I think you learn from anybody you work with whether you're in charge of them or you work you know work for them um but showing that they're putting time and patience and money into me growing as an individual is huge yeah Uh, I think that's when you're just you're investing not only in your business but you're investing in people and you know Rob and Marie have always been really good at telling me you know even if I do leave (laughs) that they want to make sure I'm the most prepared I've ever been for my totally. next step in life. And I think that's huge, not only on an employer to employee level, but just like on a human level. Yeah. Um, I think there's so many jobs that get really selfish with their employees absolutely. if they want to keep them and hold on to them. So they almost like hang things over your head so you can't leave. Absolutely. And, and that's it, scary. It's really scary because you're scared to take that next step. But, you know, I'm, I'm very happy in my job right now, but I know, you know, it might not be forever. It yeah. might not be my end all job. Um, but they have prepared me enough to where I think I can do well at any job. Yeah. Just every skill I've learned, and it's not solely based on me selling wine. It's 
me learning how to manage people, me understanding how to follow directions and take directions and give directions, Mm -hmm. um, how to create experiences for people. It's it's so much more than just a bottle of wine. Casey, at R. Stewart & Company, you are the direct sales and marketing manager. Yes. Tell me what does that (laughs) mean? What So, like, I know obviously like from my perspective of things you you work with wine club on getting product out to individuals you are managing the tasting room which is facilitating employees and Mm -hmm. managing all the details of there but if you had to 30 second soundbite what What i do what's your job (laughs) um so being in charge of direct sales uh, you can look at it as a direct to consumer thing so any bottle of wine that passes through from our winery to a physical human being without like going to a grocery store happens through me and my team. Yeah. So it, I have a team of about seven people who are awesome, uh, who create experiences and sell wine, uh, but I'm the main contact for customers. So another version of my title could be the director of customer happiness. Which used to be on your business card. Which used to be on my business yeah. card. <laughs> so when you think about your current position, um, would you say that it is more in the customer service side? Are you more in marketing? Are you in finance? Mm-hmm. Where it is kind of like, I think that what's interesting is that you started with MassCom as your major, but it has developed into so many other facets of what your job is. Mm-hmm. What if like you had to put majors, if you yeah. will, on your job. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you had to say like, well, I'm kind of like a math major, I'm kind of this, I'm yeah. kind of that. What majors would you say your uh, job are? Public speaking, 100%. Um, writing. <laughs> I write a lot of things. Um, the marketing piece I'm learning, so I, that has been a new part of my job. Um, but for me, I present, I'm constantly talking in front of people. Mm-hmm. I'm telling them about a product. Um, but also customer service is a huge part of my job. Yeah. If anybody is happy, I'm the first person they tell. If anybody's upset, I'm the first person they yeah. tell. Um, so for me, it's ultimately just making sure that our brand and our company is thought of very highly with yeah. people around the country. In good esteem. In good esteem, yeah. What is your normal schedule like thinking about I have a week it's Sunday through Saturday yeah. I mean what do you do daily basis yeah. not even not on the daily basis but like what is your schedule like what does work look like for you yeah so on a very very typical week I work Monday through Friday which is unusual for my position a lot of the times people work weekends mm-hmm. um, but I've started in- integrating a lot of the admin like admin side of life so scheduling um, helping facilitate payments for people um, you know lots of communications with um, different venues customers mm-hmm. things like that um I get into work about 8 30 and then I cruise out the day and then I'm done around mm-hmm. 5 30 um but then my schedule changes a lot because I'm in charge of events and we have events on weekends we have events late night we have events in Portland and Bend in Washington and yeah. California so I plan around that but a very um I'm at my desk a lot as of now um once it starts getting busier and busier mm-hmm. I'm constantly moving around I'm never in the same spot yeah. um so a lot of my job can be worked like I can do it remotely, yeah. which is nice. What I think is cool about the wine industry too, and seeing your job and having been involved with it a little bit, is that it is so seasonal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's similar to like a school year where the fall is kind of you know crazy. crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I make the joke often of like I harvest mines, you harvest grapes, and yep. <laughs> it's that piece. But I think what's cool about it is that it does change throughout the year, and it's mm-hmm. not what I think a lot of kids think of for a job where you're sitting at your desk nine to five. Because even the days where you're like, oh. You know, it was an office day. I got a lot of emails done. We were also like, but then I also drove here and I talked with this person. I had tasting come in and randomly this group came in for a barrel thing and I had to work with them and I facilitated this. Yeah. I think it's cool that there is so much ebb and flow within yeah. what your position is. You just have to is. think on your feet a lot. 
Yeah. Like today, for example, came in thinking I was going to do one thing, ended up doing very, very different things. And then by four o'clock, I finally got around to my to-do list and it was all fun and great, but it's, you have to be able just to be okay with shifting things around. Yeah. Um, which for me, I'm a pretty type A personality, so I've had to learn that yeah. and that that's okay. Yeah. Um, as ultimately Monday through Friday, if I get my to-do list done by the time they need to be done, then I'm good. Yeah. If you had to put some personality traits on mm-hmm. your job, what type of traits would you think that people need to do well mm-hmm. as a sales manager as a marketing manager yeah I think for my job you need to be outgoing um you also need to be incredibly patient and that's patient with customers it's patient with employees it's um just a lot of listening um but you also also have to you know be confident yeah that's a huge part of it is you know I walk into a room and I know our product better than anyone in that room because Mm -hmm. I work with it every day and so I want to exude that I want to say this is what I know and this is the information I know but also be I think a huge part of my job is making wine education really approachable. I think it's an intimidating career from the outside looking in um, and in industry in general. But for someone to come in and do their first wine tasting ever with me and be able to ask every question under the sun, that's that's really satisfying for me that they mm-hmm. feel comfortable enough with me to ask questions. And I don't make them feel dumb or I can answer it however they want it to yeah. be. Um, but ultimately, I think those last two years, it's been a lot about patience yeah. and understanding that. Do you feel like, um, I'm going to list off some traits and you can give me like a yes, no yes. on whether you feel like they are a necessary component of your job. Mm-hmm. Problem solving. Yes. Uh, communication. Yes. Creativity. Yes. Um, time management. Yes. Mm, attention to detail. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so everything. <laughs> yes. And, and I, I bring up those ones specifically because I think sometimes when people hear that someone's a manager... Mm-hmm. I think that the attention to detail is obviously a piece, but I don't know if, I I don't know, I think back to myself as a high school student, I don't think I realized how many jobs you're problem solving all the time. time. Mm -hmm. Like, no, and it's problem solving from, you know, this shipment didn't come in or we're missing this, you know, component of what we're doing or it didn't go as well as we thought or we just need to come up with a new idea. Mm -hmm. I don't think kids understand just how much of that is a part of daily existence in a job. Absolutely. do you find yourself ever in moments where the problem solving feels like it's over your head? Do you feel like you have to rely on other people to yeah. help with that? Um, a lot of the time. I think for me, I'm because I manage a, a good chunk of people, I'm constantly looked at for like, hey, this there's an issue with this. How do we fix it? Yeah. Which is fine. Um, and then I'm also like, crap, <laughs> you know, like I don't know what to do. And so you talk, you talk to other people. Um, but I think ultimately it's just un- for me the easiest thing is to understand whether I'm frustrated or not with what's happening how I look at it as how is this blunder or problem affecting other people yeah like that I work with customers distributors whatever it may be and that I think I instill a little guilt factor if I don't fix it or I don't figure out a way to fix mm-hmm. it because um you know I think we've all been in that situation where someone does something and then they don't understand the trickle-down effect yeah. of how many people it affects and I want to never be that person for people. And so I think um, the biggest thing is, and especially if I don't know, I, I tell people I don't know. Like yeah. if uh, if my boss came up to me and said, you know, what about this? And I was like, I don't know, but I can find out for you. Mm-hmm. Or if I had an employee come up and say, hey, I don't know how to do this. Said, I don't know either. Let's figure it out together. And so I think the willingness to just understand that some stuff takes time is okay. Uh, but ultimately using your resources, using people to help you, uh, but also reciprocating that. If people come to you with problems that you're willing to help them. My question to follow up all of that information about how you got to be where you are, if you had to kind of give credit to a person, 
or maybe like two people like mm-hmm. you can add more than one yeah. but who do you think are some of the people that really pushed you to be where you are now or that gave you the stepping stone to allow you to be where you are now who would you give some credit to you know, I would, I, can I pick three? <laughs> I suppose you can pick three, yes. <laughs> so um, I think my first one would be my dad. I think my dad set a really great example for myself of how to work hard, how to um, be confident, how to stand up for yourself, uh, how to do a good job, how to have respect from people and have respect for people. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a lot for us growing up, but he is a very well-respected businessman, yeah. and I think that's huge for me. Um of course, I think Maria Stewart, she's taught me a lot about the wine industry. I work very closely with her. She has been in the wine industry for a very long time, and yeah. she um, has a has a lot of knowledge and experience that she can pass on to me. In really nuanced and detailed ways, too. Exactly. Like, there's a lot of <laughs> little things that she is aware of. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I would really like to thank Scylla McClellan, because um, Scylla, Scylla. Yeah, Scylla was the person who um, really pushed me in the sense of understanding what it was like to be an adult but also when I moved from her business to another business she was really supportive Uh, but actually I'm on a board of directors with her now so now it's great because I can look up to her as an example of how a business should be run and how um, employees should be treated but she's also kind of a colleague and a Mm -hmm, peer of mine and mm -hmm. I can ask her for a lot of opinions on things and um, we talk about stuff and it's so funny looking back of when I was 22 to now like what I, you know what we talk about oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's very adult which yeah. I love I love that one of the things about this community and I think that this can be said for any community that anybody's in I think it's just a matter of taking the time to build it for yourself mm-hmm. and to really reach out is that that community will continually support but the way that it evolves over time mm-hmm. um, I can speak to that just from having grown up here and how that has changed and the people who I work with now are the people who taught me which is a really bizarre experience in itself but it's also <laughs> really empowering to see that people are willing to invest in you when you invest in them I want to be in an industry where I'm constantly learning mm-hmm. and that's huge for me I hear you you I feel like have found an industry in a place where you're going to be for a while. Like, yeah. I don't know, like, how long a while is, but, like, for the time being, you're pretty darn invested in it. Yes. Looking back, do you feel like there are any passions or any skill sets or any interests that you feel like you put on the back burner or that you missed out on that you kind of wish that you would have pursued? Is there anything that you were like, oh, man, if I had just done that, I wonder what would have happened, or I wish that I would have maybe not given up on that so soon? Um, I think for me, not necessarily a passion but just a physical environment like I would have been so curious what would have happened if I moved immediately to Portland or I moved immediately to Seattle being somewhere a bigger city where I didn't really know a lot of people versus you know building on these relationships that I had kind of established and really creating something really beautiful here Mm -hmm. like what would that be like how would I be living differently do you regret Um, not going no I don't think so I think I think it would have given me a different, I think I probably would have been more sad, um, (laughs) just in the sense of like, I know the beautiful things I have here and that's including my job, but outside of my job, but my job has created a lot of opportunity for relationships for me here. Yeah. And I don't think I would have had that because I work, I work for a a family business. Yeah. I'm, I am an adopted steward child. (laughs) It's it's one of those things that I, you know, thinking about the big, big school versus small school, I don't want to be another face in the crowd working for a company. Like I'm very valued in this Mm -hmm. company and I'm told that all the Mm -hmm. time, which is a really great confidence thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't regret it at all because I still have time. I can do that. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to ask the big question then. 
do you think you know what you want to be when you grow up? I want to be an astronaut. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Let's go to Mars. I know. I, Elon I, Musk will be right. there. <laughs> exactly. I think, I think there's so many things that I just want to work really hard and be very good at a thing. And I think the wine industry is for me. Yeah. But I also want to try, so, you know, retire eventually and then try something crazy cool. Like what? Being an astronaut. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, stay-at-home dog mom. Very into that idea. That's the life. <laughs> Golden retriever. Um, but also just traveling. I think the ultimate goal now for me is to retire and be a travel writer. Mm. Travel everywhere and write about my experiences. Would that be your new definition of what success would look like in your future? Yeah, that because I feel like traveling makes me really happy. I've met a lot of beautiful people. I've seen a lot of beautiful places. Uh, and I think that's how you truly understand each other is mm-hmm. putting yourselves in their environments. And so for me, like my vacation time is spent at one time and mm-hmm. I go somewhere fun and I go somewhere different and that'd be cool to have that as a job. But I'm also realizing like any articles I read or YouTube videos I watch or Netflix, whatever it may be, it's all travel documentaries. And it's food. All, and food. I love food. And mm-hmm. so for me, I, like I eat, I want to go out and eat and I want to travel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that's the ultimate goal now. Yeah. So my last question here for you is um, the piece of advice. What sort of advice would you give these sweet, amazing, wonderful, incredible high school students that I have about finding their passions, about determining what it is that they want to be when they grow up? What would you suggest that they mm-hmm. – what, what would you suggest? Yeah. What advice? Sweet baby children. Um, sweet <laughs> I think my, my advice would be to not give up. As cheesy as that sounds, I think – searching for all avenues of information. So, you know, if you feel like you can't talk to your parents about specific stuff, there are always teachers, there are always, you know, people in your community that have a different perspective and it's all about talking to people. Um, I'm huge about informational interviews. I do Mm -hmm. that now. I'm not actively seeking a job, (laughs) but I actually sought out someone who has my similar job and Mm -hmm. just sat down with them at breakfast and said, hey, what do you do? It's so good to be curious in those and ways. And stay curious. That's a huge thing. Is, And it's not an end-all, be-all thing. Yeah. And so for us, like, being, I think being in my late 20s is, yes, I'm good at my job. I know what to do. But I'm still curious about a lot of other stuff. So yeah. always asking questions and yeah. um, not giving up. If you're really interested in something, like, pursue it till you can't pursue it anymore mm-hmm. or until your mind changes. And find people who are in that field or and who excited know these things. about it. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing, too, is... One of the biggest compliments I can get if I'm doing a tasting or doing an event or whatever it may be is people say, you must really love your job. Like, you can Mm -hmm. tell. Like, you have passion. You are excited about it. And, you know, it makes them excited. Yeah. Yeah. What I I take away from your story is that it takes a lot of... It takes a lot of initiative in the sense of wanting to pursue betterment for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that the idea of pursuing education for the sake of not necessarily even developing a skill, but education for the sake of discovering what else is an option mm-hmm. and what else can make you be interested in the world. And I think that's a really good takeaway for them to hear of just sometimes it takes being invested in your classes to know what else is out Absolutely. there. You can yeah. always find a support system. Yeah. You're always able to find people who want you to do well and are excited for you. Yeah. So I keep you around. Yeah, exactly. We're yeah. each other's cheerleaders. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Casey. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you. Appreciate you, and I love your face. I love your face as well. Awesome. Um... 
So there it was, uh, my very first episode of this podcast. And I got to say, I feel really good about having Casey on here. I think that she speaks to a lot of what is true to my heart and why I wanted to start this podcast in the first place of the fact that sometimes we don't know. And even sometimes when we think we know, it goes in a direction that is totally unrelated, that can be just as equally rewarding and make you feel like you're having that success that I think everyone dreams about having when they grow up. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Uh, I look forward to hearing what sort of things you have to say about what sort of jobs are you interested in? Are there certain careers out there that you're like, huh, that's one that's pretty cool. And I would love to go take the time to find someone in that field and talk with them about how they get where they were. Um, It's all about what we want to be when we grow up. And I think that that is a never ending journey. So thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll hear you next time and take care.